0: Well, good morning. Um, I had mentioned to the eight o'clock service that they didn't do a class in seminary on um, on talk show hosting, and so we're gonna we're gonna just try to do this. If you're worried about six people up front and how long this is going, don't worry. Um, we won't be all day; just a few hours. Uh, it's. Um, we did think it was really important, though, to have the Roe family up here because um, what we're talking about here is foster care. And, and when you have a family and you're bringing children in, um, in foster care, it's a family thing. It's not individual. It's not just parents. It's um, it's a whole family, right, girls? And so uh, that's why I wanted to bring them up here. This is Laura. Uh, many of you may know, Laura has led some women's Bible studies here. She's um done a lot of the photography for the church so if you've been on our website and seen some of the photos on there it's like 90 percent of them are, are from laura um eddie uh, serves on vestry he also occasionally will serve in the back in the audio visual booth as well and then we've got veda jane Veda is going into um, sixth grade this fall, and then Ruby who's going into fourth grade. So glad you guys joined us this morning. And then I have with me, some of you may have met before, my wife, Lynn. Lynn and I have also been on this foster care journey together. Um, We're kind of at a different place than the Rose, but we're still, uh, we're in this together. And it's been a little bit of a meandering journey, but we're here. And so we thought, this would be just a great opportunity for you to kind of sit in on a conversation with the Holloways and the Rose on foster care. So um, we'll just jump, jump right into it. And um, I'll ask Laura, if you could just kind of give us an overview of what foster care looks like in Baldwin County.
1: Okay, um, in our county there generally sits around 200 kids in care at a time and 45 to 50 licensed homes. Um, whether they're opening and closing every day, uh, you never know. Um, Children in our county are only removed for safety reasons. So if the Department of Human Resources can work with the family and meet their needs prior to removal, they do that first. There's a family preservation part of it. Um, And then if there is any kind of safety risk involved, um, the children are removed, and that's when foster care enters the picture um at that point kids are placed in foster homes and we're trained as families to begin the work of working with that family um, towards the goal of reunification
0: and how many i may have just missed this how many children do we have and how many homes do we have
1: usually 250.
0: 200 yeah
1: always changing
0: Would you say that your family felt called to that mission?
1: I'll let Eddie start.
2: (laughs) Uh, I think the short answer is no. Um, We don't have uh, any kind of a, our experience wasn't that we had some sort of an aha moment that we realized this is what the Lord was calling our family to do. It's not something that we're um particularly trained in you might say we're not particularly skilled in it even in certain aspects of what it, uh, what it requires so i don't think that we we don't view it as a calling um specifically for us now i mean in the broader sense of the question uh it certainly is a calling in 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 that it aligns with our goals and our uh, values as a family, and um, certainly that dovetails well with the Christian calling to, you know, some of the more basic Christian callings or commands to care for your neighbor. You know, we we spoke about it in the call this morning, the the power of Christ is seen through mercy, and uh, that's a big part of what we're doing. So we're called to it to the extent we're called to those things
0: yeah and, and i I actually didn't really catch this at eight. It shows you how well I was paying attention, but our scriptures have a lot to do with hospitality and and Abraham and Sarah um, as as well as the gospel with Mary and Martha. and that's I would say that's a big part of of what you're doing in foster care really it, It's providing the essentials for some of these children right um,
1: To understand the the fact that we're like not like we felt like we ascended to some calling as a family, but rather just walk, walking step by step and taking it day by day. Um, to begin, we, you know, in theory, if there was a kid who needed a home, we would say yes. And so the rubber met the road a few years ago um, when there was a kid literally down the road who may have needed an adoptive home. And so I talked to Eddie one night and I, and said, you know, we, we've we always said, like, if somebody ever dropped a kid off, they're welcome here, right? Um, which is great in theory, but you do actually have to train and be licensed to even be available to say that yes. And so he was like, sure, yeah. And I was like, well, there's a kid that might need a home, and um, but the classes start in two weeks. <laughs> and Eddie was like, uh, he was in trial, and it was the worst timing ever, but... Um, We just took it day by day. Um, What are we being asked to do today? And we would say yes and take the next step. And um, I would not have known two years ago that this is what it would look like now. So it's been kind of a a wild ride.
2: I think uh, to finish that story, uh, so that kid actually ended up, his mom uh, got on track and worked her plan, and he ended up going back home to uh, be with her, which is the primary goal of foster care. I mean, that's what, that's why the program is in place. That's why we do what we do. Um, so obviously, we don't have a, you know, that kid's not here as an adopted part of our family. Um, but that's a big part of our story and kind of uh, understanding the goal and mission of foster care and uh, what it, what it's geared toward and what it isn't. Yeah,
0: and I, I feel like we kind of can't say that loud enough, right, is that the goal is reunification. Um, I think uh, there's been a, a misconception about foster care that if you get to adoption, then then woohoo, like we celebrate that. And actually, um, adoption is kind of the last, that's the last option that, that they'll take. And so I, I do kind of wanna pause there and just, just say that, that part of what we're talking about here in foster care is trauma care and being trauma informed. And so when you when you take children from their families, for whatever reason and for good reason, but when you take children from their families, there is trauma involved in that. And quite often these are children that are being split up, not just from moms and dads, but brothers and sisters. And there are often homes that aren't taking all siblings. now. DHR does work to to put all siblings together when possible, but that doesn't always work out um, in in a clean way. And so, there's trauma involved. There is deep grief involved, and that's that's something that we'll we'll pray uh, about or talk about later. But but we do want to just say, please pray about that. If nothing else, pray for the hearts of these children and for their families. Um, these are people, uh, these these uh, biological parents, they're created in the image of God. And God loves them. And um, this is not an us against them. This is not a good people against bad people. This is us loving them and loving these children and trying to help them move back into the arms of their parents when possible.
3: Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit. Um, before about foster care being a, an entire family decision where everybody kind of has to be on board. Um, so it's not just parents in in the equation, but in the Rowe family, there's four. You know, um, Veda and Ruby um, had to be kind of on board with this. Right, girls? Um, can you tell us what it's like when your family gets a call and that phone rings and um, they ask if you can can take a child in and you get to say... Yes. Can you tell us what that's like?
2: Um, Well, when we get the call, we beg mom and dad to say yes. (laughs) And sometimes when they get to our home, it's sometimes exciting, but like, because when we have newborns, they're so cute. (laughs) and But once we had one, a foster baby, a foster kid who came in, on my birthday and she screamed and cried for 30 minutes on the porch. Yeah. And then 30 minutes later, our friends came over with cupcakes and she was really, really happy. Yeah,
3: yeah so she got to celebrate your birthday with you and with your family. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, what would you say girls to parents who are afraid that it'd be too sad um, for their kids to say goodbye to the kids that you help and you bring in? Because you get to know these kids and you're, you become attached and you have to say goodbye when they go home. Um, what would you say to those parents who are afraid and those kids who are afraid about that?
1: Well, it is really sad to say goodbye, but I have learned to think that they're either going to somewhere closer to their mom or with their mom or somewhere that's a better home for them to stay. So it's a little bit easier even though it's really it was really hard to say goodbye to this one foster kid because she was really adorable and she was um she was going to another state, so it's kinda like really sad because we didn't know if we would see her again. But um they her parents have stayed in touch with um our parents and they said if they get Delilah back or the foster kid back, um they want to come and visit us, and that makes it
3: a little bit easier. Yeah, it's a really good way of looking at it. Um, so Rose, if we believe that foster care is the mission of the church, um, the mission of the body of Christ, and it's not just a calling for specific families, um, how can how can we play a role? Um, to understand all the facets of
1: foster care. We want everyone to go through the classes. No, just kidding. Uh, um, we really, one thing that our families talk about all the times are what we thought we knew and then what we quickly realized we didn't know. Um, and so um, a big part of that being how much you actually get to partner with these birth families and um, walk with them. So. To give an example of how the church can kind of surround a case even, our first case was a really beautiful picture of that and something that um, we're so thankful that our our girls have gotten to see um, because we got to meet the mother of the two siblings that were staying in our home. And just like Gabe said, on paper, they're terrifying. And then when you get face-to-face with a person and you hear their story, you know, she was just a mother who was dealt a very different set of hand, handed deck of, <laughs> y'all know what I'm trying to say. There's <laughs> a different deal <laughs> than I was. And so it was like getting to walk with her um, just from one mother to another um, kind of became our mission. And then the church body um Helped whether it was giving clothes to the kids that were in her home or even to her. Once she worked her plan, she was able to get her kids back. We had some friends meet with her and budget. Um, we sent her to another friend who would inter- interview her for a job and helped her with her resume. Um, when she left the situation that she was in, she left with nothing but her car and then she asked. Mandy and I met her at the gas station, and she said, "Can I borrow five dollars for gas to get across the bridge?" Um, and then all the everything for her apartment to help her get set up was donated by you guys. And Father Robert drove a trailer across, and <laughs> we unlighted her apartment, and um, and then we had like broken Kathy stocked her refrigerator. I, like to me, it was what we're supposed to do, how we can serve. Um, these families right at our back door. Um, and I think we would all say we're willing to do it. It's just hard to meet them unless you put yourself in the position too, so.
0: I'm curious, I'm, I'm throwing a question on you that we had not talked about. Um, how do you manage some of the emotional up and, ups and downs of this, Of of taking a case and having a child in your home or children in your home? And just the disruption of that, first of all, to your life, but also to your, your emotional state.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I cry in my laundry room every two hours. <laughs> no, i just didn't. Um No, it's a lot. That's, and they've trained and they've, ha- they've kept kids for short periods already. And so they understand um, that it's not just babysitting. And that was a shock to everyone, too. It's not just taking in these cute kids and feeling like you're saving them from their horrible parents. That's not what it is. Um, It is really uh, bearing another family's burden. And it is an emotional load. Um, And you're daily faced with the grief of a family that's not together, Um, coupled with the joy that, as Christians, we believe um, that we have a, a God who redeems all things and all things are possible with him and so it is such a tension and a mixed bag of feeling really hopeless and really hopeful at the same time um managing that we're learning we are we have really had to learn as we go it requires a lot of you all and you know our friends and um prayer and then also practical things like respite care and breaks and knowing when to say no and yes
2: I would just add that uh, for me, it's, it's really more about a mindset of uh, you know, taking a step back and realizing that we're operating in this environment with so much emotional wealth, emotional and spiritual wealth, that we can take a hit on our emotional state uh, and can absorb that without really catastrophic uh, cost, And viewing that in the perspective of what, uh, how poor these kids are in that, I'm just talking about emotional, emotional and spiritual support, they have nothing. So the little bit of cost that comes out of my great emotional wealth is hugely valuable to them. And so that's one of the ways that I try to put in perspective what it actually costs us Because there there are days where it's difficult and um and where it really feels like uh, like like we're giving too much, but to put that into perspective and understand how valuable the little that we have to part with uh, is to somebody in the kind of situation they're in um, it's those kind of things that yeah. that help yeah. heal the wounds even even though we have to admit there are those times where it's difficult yeah and so um,
0: also too. Uh, there's boundaries right and and it's not like when you took the class that you were saying where you were checking the boxes for every every child under any circumstance right so you were able to set those boundaries and also even within the seasons of your life, that there may be some seasons in which you, you don't have placements, but you're providing um, support to other foster families in different ways too. So that's, it's, it's not an all or nothing kind of thing, right? It's not like, well, we can't do foster care because we can't have kids in our house. No, actually you can do foster care. There's, a, there's tons of ways to support families like Thoreau's and others who are, who are receiving placements, yeah. So um, can you tell us, Laura, a little bit about class and, and what that looks like and what people could expect if they're interested mm-hmm. in just take, start taking that next step and starting the class?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, like top down, if you want to get involved in foster care, if you wanted to be a foster family, um, it is 10 weeks of class. It's three hours a week. Uh, you're allowed to miss two. And the next one is August 14th from 3 to 6. And it is at Three Circle, so it's a good one to take because you don't have to drive all the way to Robertsdale. Um, and then on top of that, they ask you to do a lot of other stuff like CPR and first aid and signing over all your financial information, <laughs> um, giving them your life story. Uh, to, to get licensed to be a home, like Gabe said, though, you get to... We have said way more no's than we have said yes to. And so... Um, If you wanted to just do respite care, which is giving foster families a break if we go out of state and the kid needs to stay in a licensed home, um, having respite care families in the church would be huge. Um, We've got Robert and Ruth coming to the next class, um, interested in doing respite. Uh, Brinkley, she's a single woman here. I don't know if she's here. She got licensed, or she's in the process of getting licensed, so um, we don't want anyone to think that it has to look a certain way. There are so many needs that our family cannot meet, um, especially because of the ages of our kids. Um, This isn't just a young family mission. Um, We really need empty nesters. I was telling them that two weeks ago there was a 19-year-old girl who slept at the office from when... I got, a, I got a phone call on Friday that she had been sleeping at the office since, since Wednesday, waiting to go to a group home, but nobody could take her for the weekend. And it's in times like that where I'm like, surely the church of all people like should be the ones showing up to do this work, right? Like, and of course, we say no because we don't have room for a 19-year-old, but um, there, that need is there. Um, did that answer...
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think I would just encourage encourage all of you in in praying about this and, and considering it. Um, that that's, there's no shame in this. There's there's no like guilt to say you have to do this to be a good Christian. But as as part of our church, the vision of our church is to impact this community for the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This community, and not just within the walls of this church, but this community. And Baldwin County has a real need, and so there there are ways that you can be involved. There are ways that won't cost you financially, and they may cost you some time, and they may cost you some um, some of your emotional bank, but um, but they don't cost money. And uh, so we we just really want you to pray about that. There's no way that this conversation could get to all the the details of foster care. Really, you need to sit down with what about 50 coffees uh, over, over a period of time, uh, just to get all of the information um, that's needed. But I do encourage you to talk to Laura and Eddie and, and Veda and Ruby about their experiences and um, and find out more. But Father Robert, I, I am gonna ask if you would pray for us and and pray for the rose and pray for the needs in this community.
4: Right. I, I wanna just add one quick 30 second thing. One of the things that, um, Eddie and Laura and the girls have done, is they bring their children. They bring these children to the church. And I, I watch you guys hold them, pray with them. And I, you know my prayer is that child, in some way, is gonna just get the love that they haven't gotten from us. And I believe it. And just if I just wanna pray for a woman who's about to have a child. I believe they, that child hears that voice. and and we want these children that you guys um, and us are taking in to go with a sense of being because they were in the presence of the Lord because of you. So that's that's my my add on. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, you are just indeed a good good father. And we are uh, defined by your love for us and we want this for this these children we want this for all the foster needs not only in Bowen county but um, throughout our, our country and our world lord there's so many different situations that uh, we can dive into and um, but as uh, laura said it's our call to um, to live the gospel and as eddie said it's simple it's uh but it's very hard <laughs> it's not complicated but it's very hard lord to to love our neighbors. And so I pray your covering over this family. I pray your spirit would uh, wake them in the morning, go about them during their day, um, and lay them down at night um, in rest. Um, And then the next day, Lord, uh, do it over again. Uh, We commit them to your care. In Jesus' name, amen.